Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Happy Sunday, brothers and sisters. Happy Sunday, the first Sunday of Lent. It is great to be with you this morning for some reflection on the Word of God, specifically on how it strengthens us to resist temptation. Hope you're doing well this morning. Let me know where you're from and let me know how we can all pray for you because part of our gathering together is uh, in order to pray for all those who need our prayers and uh, indeed marshal for those who lie and for those who um, uh, slander with their tongue and with their fingers on the keyboard uh, all those brothers and sisters who are on the path of, of wickedness. The devil is the one who is the source of sin and temptation. We get to choose whether or not we are going to follow him down that path. And this is what the readings talk to us about today, how Jesus himself encountered this dynamic and how we encounter it in our lives. It's going to take us back to the beginning of salvation history, the beginning of human history. It's going to take us uh, to the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. It's going to take us to the very root of our own spiritual lives. Let's delve into that today. First, let's ask the Lord. You know, there is a Lenten hymn, Parche Domine, uh, Spare, O Lord, Your People. It comes from the reading we heard on Ash Wednesday from the prophet Joel, spare, O, peop, o Lord, your people, and do not be angry with them uh, forever. It's, a, it's a, an ancient Latin chant that's kind of uh, haunting. It's spiritually uh, moving, and so I'd like to chant that here as we begin this morning. Parce Domine, parce populo Tuo. Ne in eternum irascaris nobis. Have mercy on me, God, in your kindness. In your compassion blot out my offense. O wash me more and more from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. Parce Domine, parce populo Tuo, ne in eternum irascaris nobis. We praise you, Lord God, for this day. We praise you, Lord God, for this Lenten season. We praise you, Lord God, for the awareness of our sins and for the transforming power of your word and of your grace that lifts up those who sin, that lifts up even those who abort their children, even they, Lord God, find renewal, forgiveness, and can go on to be saints. We are amazed as we take part in this pro-life movement, and we are amazed as we take part in all the other works of your kingdom, that even those like St. Paul who put Christians to death end up being 
some of the greatest leaders of the Christian church. Today, as we continue in earnest the beginning of this Lenten journey, we come to you with renewed hope and with renewed vigor that we will indeed rise in your word, in your light, and in your grace. And as your word teaches us today, resist every temptation and the lies that are behind them. We ask this grace today through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you today. I've been traveling a lot, of course. I was just at the Arizona um, March for Life, as I mentioned to you, and we'll be going uh, this week to a major conservative conference, the CPAC conference, and we'll be uh, interacting there and speaking there, uh, being shoulder to shoulder with some of you and with so many great uh, Christians and patriots from around the nation. So we will look forward to that. That begins this Wednesday. Let's go to the reading. I want to read uh, simply the first reading today and then the gospel reading. And the first reading comes to us from the book of Genesis. The Lord God formed man out of the clay of the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And so man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and placed there the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made various trees grow that were delightful to look at and good for food, with the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, You shall not eat it or even touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like gods who know what is good and what is evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eyes, and desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Let us read also from the Gospel of Matthew, today's reading coming from the fourth chapter. At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. He said in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand on the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and with their hands they will support you. 
lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their magnificence. And he said to him, All these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away, Satan. It is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Brothers and sisters, the devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. God, on the other hand, is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is a person. There cannot be a greater opposite between, than between God and the devil, between truth and lies. And every temptation is a lie. It's an invitation to do what is evil with the promise that it's good. It's the invitation to choose the way of evil and think that you're going to get a blessing in return. That's the essence of the, of the lie. Making something evil look very good. Think about any temptation that, that you experience. We see two big ones here, the original temptation of our original parents and the threefold temptation of Jesus in the desert. There are, there are some serious similarities here. The fundamental one being that the devil lies, outright lies. Let's look at how he lies here in the, in the first reading. You will not die. He just First of all, he tries to misrepresent the Word of God. Oh, we've got plenty around that do that today. Misrepresenting the Word of God. Notice how he quotes God in proposing evil. This is what you've got all around you today. Those that are trying to get you to do evil, get you to leave the path of God, or get you to think that you are not doing the will of God properly. Because remember, the battle is in the mind of the enemy. The enemy is trying to make the enemy think differently. They'll use the Word of God because they don't have anything themselves. Evil is an absence of good. Evil is a manipulation and twisting and distortion and corruption of what is good. You have to have good there first. Good is what God, God creates. Everything that God creates is good. Evil comes in and messes around with what's already good. Good already has the dominant hand right from the beginning. And so evil and the lie of temptation will rely on the good in order to do its work. 
And how many people going around spreading corruption, evil, and death, and in their own selfish desires to wreck things, they want to appear so holy and righteous. It's a self-righteous arrogance inspired by the devil himself. Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees of the garden? So here he is appearing to quote God while distorting God. Because God didn't tell them they couldn't eat from the trees of the garden. He gave them freedom. God gives us much more freedom than the devil wants us to think we have. The battle is in the mind of the enemy. He wants you to think that the commandments of God are oppressive. He wants you to think that following Christ is restrictive. He wants you to think that you won't be happy fulfilling the commands of the gospel in the pro-life arena. He wants that pregnant mom to think that this is a problem. That she's not going to have fulfillment, happiness anymore in her life. That she's going to have to sacrifice everything that she had hoped for and all her wishes for happiness and education and career and fulfillment and family and she's not going to be able to take care of this baby and oh this is a tragedy. We don't minimize the difficulties these people go through. We, we, we immerse ourselves with them in those difficulties so that we can help them. Every single day we're doing this, this together with thousands of pregnancy centers. But brothers and sisters, this is the lie of the devil. This is how he works in temptation. The battle is in the mind of the enemy. Oh, this is, this is terrible. I have to resort. I have no choice. I have to resort to the violence of abortion. Or I have to get out in some other way out of the burden of following the commandments of God. You know, you see the battle working out in the mind of the enemy in another temptation when the Israelites had been set free from Egypt, remember the great miracle at the Red Sea, the sea opens up, they go through, they start the desert journey, and at a certain point, I mean, the desert journey is hard. God didn't promise it was going to be easy. And as they're going through the desert, they get impatient. They get impatient about the food, about the water, and at a certain point, Again, the devil playing on the mind of his enemy, all of us. They actually start thinking. Notice how all this begins in the, in, the, in the head. They start thinking that life would be better if they go back to Egypt. Imagine that. How, how the mind can be so turned around, so deceived. They're thinking now it's better to go back to Egypt. Oh, well, at least we had our food. Yeah, we were enslaved, but at least we ate our meals. We are disgusted in this desert with this wretched food. Let us appoint a leader and go back to slavery. And that's how it can be for us in the Christian life. That's why we need Lent, to re-root ourselves in the discipleship of Christ, to recommit ourselves to that fundamental commitment we have made by our baptism because we're going to be tempted to think that it's easier to go back to the life of sin. We're going to be made to think that it's easier to live as a non-believer. That it's easier not to have the burdens 
of the commandments of Christ. We're going to be tempted to think that. The battle is in the mind of the enemy. The devil is a liar. Every temptation is a lie. Presenting something evil as if it is something good. Presenting our destruction as if it's our fulfillment. And presenting our, what is truly our fulfillment as if it is a restrictive, crushing burden. That's what's going on here. Did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees of the garden? Is He so restrictive? Is He so unreasonable? Is He so oppressive? And the devil will try to make us think that way, not just about God, but about one another too. Isn't that a terrible person? He helps us engage in snapshot thinking. You have a, a negative encounter with somebody. You see the worst side of somebody. And then the devil wants that to be the, the emblem of that person in your mind. That every time you think about that person, you're thinking about that negative thing that they did. You leave them no room, no space to grow. The battle is in the mind of the enemy. How is the devil making you think about other people in your lives? How is he making you think about your employer? Is he making you think he or she is insensitive, uncaring, lacking in compassion? Or is that snapshot thinking and not giving that person a chance to grow and change. Sure, maybe they've done things or said things that they shouldn't have, but does that moment define their lives? The battle is in the mind of the enemy. Oh no, we can eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. It's just the one in the middle that we can't. Why? Well, because that one represents the source of morality. You will know good from evil. Not that you will simply know the difference. We have to know the difference between good and evil in order to reject evil and do good. The point here is that we would think we were the ones who determine what's right and wrong. It's all up to my choice. Again, this is the root lie of pro-choice, that if I choose to abort that baby, it's okay because I choose it and I'm the one who gives the baby his or her value. It's not that it's there independently of me. I eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I write the commandments. I decide what's good and bad, what's right and wrong for me. Maybe that's not the same as it is for you, but I get to write my own truth. I get to write my own gospel. I get to pave my own road to salvation. What a lie. Let's look at the lie as then it gets manifested here in the temptation of Jesus. And I want to point out to you something that is not pointed out often enough about these very familiar temptations of Jesus. The devil, let's look at the third one. The devil takes him up to a very high mountain and shows him, now notice what the passage is saying here, all the kingdoms of the world. He shows them to him. He gets this, this summary vision, if you will. Of all the kingdoms, he's not just looking at one kingdom, not just looking at the greatest kingdom. He's looking at all the kingdoms of the world. And then the devil says, I'm going to give them to you. What a liar. I'm going to give you all power. The reason that's a lie is that it's not his to give. He can't 
give him all the kingdoms of the world any more than he can give life when you take the path of death. It's the same lie that the devil said in the first reading, well, you will certainly not die. Go ahead, eat the fruit of that tree. In other words, the devil was presenting them with the fruit and saying, eat it, you will be like God. He can't give that. The devil can't give life. He can't give happiness. He can't make you the ruler of a kingdom. They're not his to give. But he makes us think that they are. The battle is in the mind of the enemy. He makes us think he is capable of fulfilling us. He makes us think he is capable of elevating us. Temptation makes us think that this is the road to fulfillment. It's not. I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. What a joke. What a deception. What an illusion. God says in the book of Deuteronomy, after he presents the commandments to the the people, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life. Now, we know choose life. We use that in the pro-life effort to say choose the life of that baby. Recognize the rights of that baby. Protect that baby. don't, Don't chop the baby's head off. And that includes that. But when God says choose life, he's meaning choose the way of life of my covenant and my commandments. Be my people, I will be your God, and you will have life and prosperity. Now, he says choose life and, or death, blessings or curses. And I've pointed this out before. If you listen to me regularly, you'll recognize this thought. We have that choice of that fork in the road, the way of life, the way of death. But if we choose the way of life, we don't get to choose the consequences. Prosperity and blessings will come. If we choose the way of death, we don't get to choose the consequences. Curses will come. The essence of the lie of the devil is that you can choose the way of death and get blessings. The lie of the devil, the lie of every temptation. You can choose the wrong way and be rewarded for it. You can choose the path of sin and prosper. You can choose the path of evil and you'll get blessings and fulfillment and happiness. There's the essence of the lie. And together with that, you choose the way of life, you choose the commandments of God, you'll get curses. It's too restrictive, it's too burdensome. Did he really tell you to eat from any of the trees of the garden? We should go back to Egypt, at least we had our food and, 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 and drink there. We had our meals. I should be uh, the king of all the kingdoms of the earth. That's going to exalt me and make me happy. These are all lies. Choosing the way of life is not choosing curses, it's choosing blessings. Choosing the way of death is choosing curses. There's not going to be blessings there. Choosing the way of life, you're going to find fulfillment. Choosing the path of sin, no matter how pleasurable it looks like it's going to be, it will bring bitter regret. Peter thought he was protecting himself at that moment. The night before Jesus died, by saying, I do not know the man. He thought he was protecting himself from an immediate danger, but then he came to bitterly regret it. 
How many of us ask this question? As a young man was recently asking me, he says, you know, I want to stand up for what's right. I want to speak what's true. I want to defend my values. But I know it's going to get me in trouble. It's going to get me in trouble in my, on my campus. It's going to get me criticized. It might make me lose friends. Who knows what's going to happen? I'm just trying to keep the peace. I'm just trying to make my way through. You know, seminarians say this too. Oh, I see things got bad being said or done in the seminary, but you know, I'm not going to say the truth. Because I want to get ordained first, and then, then I'll be able to speak up. <laughs> then they get ordained. They say, oh, I see something going wrong, or oh, I have to speak up about this, or I have to preach more strongly about that, but, you know, I'm just an associate pastor, and I'll wait until I get a pastor, become a pastor, and then I'll be more secure. And then they become a pastor, and it's like, oh, I see something wrong here, or I should speak up about this, or I should speak up about that, but I'm afraid I'm going to get disciplined, or I, I ought to wait until I have more seniority. Or I had to wait, maybe I'll become a bishop. Then I would be free to, to say more and to do more. And then they become a bishop. And, oh, I should speak up about this and I should speak up about that. Oh, but I'm not a cardinal. I ought to wait. Maybe they'll get, put me in a position where I'm stronger. No, stop waiting. You see something that has to be said now, say it now. You see something that has to be done now, do it now. You see an evil that has to be exposed and resisted. Expose it and resist it now. You see an act of courage that you have to take. Don't wait until you're in some more secure position. Here, eat from the fruit of the tree. You will be like gods. Here, bow down before me. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. No, no, and no. Because that's a lie. That security is a lie. That Proposed blessing is a lie. Now you have what you have. The opportunity to speak truth. The opportunity to defend life. The opportunity to advance the kingdom of God. The opportunity to serve the Lord according to His word. Do it now. With the fullest buy-in. With the fullest commitment. With the greatest courage. With the loudest voice. Do it now. There's not going to be a time when it's easier. That's the deception. You see what is the core of resisting all these temptations? The absolute trust in what God has said. God told us we may not eat from that tree or we will die. Believe Him. Trust Him. The Lord your God alone shall you worship and adore. That means Him alone. doesn't matter how much you think you might get by doing otherwise. Root yourself in His Word. Believe in what it says. And trust Him infinitely. This is the path of resisting temptation. This is the path of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today 
rejoicing that the devil is not going to win the battlefield of our mind. We are not going to think of God's Word as a lie. We are going to take Him at His Word. We are not going to think evil of other people. We are going to trust in your goodness to them. And we are going to give the best interpretation to their actions, especially when we do not know them. We are not going to take the lie that somehow doing evil will bring us happiness. We pray, Lord, therefore today, for all those, first of all, who preach your word, that they may do so with clarity and with courage and not hold back on the demands of your gospel. We pray for those who hear your word, that they may be lifted up and know that this is the path to their fulfillment. We pray for those who need your word to comfort them in sorrow. Bless all those who are suffering some kind of loss or grief in their life. We pray, Lord God, for those who need the guidance of the Holy Spirit as they make important decisions. Send that guidance, send that clarity, send the courage to make those decisions. We pray, Lord God, for those who need health, those who may be facing surgeries or need patience as they deal with an illness or need your consolation in the midst of weakness, those who suffer with loneliness. Lord God, you are the consoler. You are the one who can raise us up. We lift up all the prayers that are coming into us now in the comments, all the prayers that others hold in the silence of their hearts, and all the prayers, Lord, that we have been asked to remember by our relatives and friends. And we sum up them all in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And we pray to our Heavenly Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Lord Jesus, send us your blessing, send us your grace, wash us in your blood, and fill us with the life of your resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks, friends, for uh, spending some time with me on this Sunday morning. Let's continue to have a blessed Lenten journey together. I'm praying for you. I'll be here uh, at my headquarters uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll be in Washington, D.C. Saturday night, I'll go to California, or rather Sunday night, that is, and uh, take part on, on Monday, March 6th in the Walk for Life of California in Sacramento. And then I'll be heading back that night on the red eye and arrive here early Tuesday morning. You'll be seeing all these various events on our social media, so stay connected with me at FR Frank Pavone. Much more to tell you, much more to share with you. 
from our friends. And remember, the battle is in the mind of the enemy. Crush the enemy. Crush him today. Resist the devil and his works. Talk to you soon. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.